welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we will be exploring the magical world of Emerald Lakes by Britt Andrews, as we discuss Sage and her harem of men and how they are working to save the world. We've opted to include a trigger warning for this episode. Um, there is talk of sexual assault, physical abuse, um, and pregnancy complications. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. The show is not for children. All right, so let's dive into the world of Emerald Lakes. So I would classify the entire Emerald Lake series as a paranormal romance reverse harem, wouldn't you say, Ash? Yep, with the, you know, the use of magic and shifters and demons. (laughs) So in this world... There are a bunch of different types of mages. Those are the people who have magic. There are also humans who do not have magic. Um, We are introduced to a lot of different types of mages throughout the series. We have green mages, storm mages, fire, blood, shifter, cognitive, uh, any element that you can think of. There's a mage for it. And... All of these mages have their own unique powers and they all come in different ranges of like power level. And we also, um, there's also talk of different realms and demons in this series as well. Yep. So we start off in the human realm and in the human realm we have our supernatural mages and we have just humans who obviously don't have magical powers and they live together in harmony the humans are aware of magic um but then there is also the demon realm also known as besmet and demons as we are introduced to them through the story have their own powers and affinities There are different levels of demon power, just like there are different levels of mage power. And what we learn as one of the issues that Besmet is facing is that demons aren't reproducing like they should be. And they are facing a population crisis, which becomes a major plot point in our story. Yeah, and I think it's also important that we mention um, the... You know, the fact that dragons also exist in this series. I'm not sure. I guess that technically would fall under, like, a type of, like, shifter. I, It's definitely a shifter for when we see them in the human realm. When we see the dragons in the demon realm, it seems like... They're just in dragon form. Yeah, we don't see that they have the ability to shift between a human form and dragon form. So... But they're also facing, you know, a population crisis. Yeah, it seems like all the species that exist in the demon realm are kind of being faced with this same uh, issue with reproducing. Uh, So, like I said, magic is universally acknowledged by everyone in the human realm. And so humans who don't have powers know that there are supernatural people who do have powers and who live amongst them in their communities. And in addition to different mages having different power levels, some affinities are much rarer 
than other affinities. So, for example, one of the men in Sage's harem, Sage is our main character, is a storm mage. And it's discussed how storm mages are incredibly rare and you don't come across them very often. Mm. <laughs> my, my personal favorite character. <laughs> oh, I don't think we did a harem ranking for this. I will have to add it into the outline. Add that in real quick. <laughs> All right. So let's do a quick summary of the overall plot line. And we're going to leave this somewhat vague. Uh, if you haven't read this story, there is still one book left that's going to be coming out. Um, so there's still plenty of time to get rolling in this. And if you're like Sam and I, you love to read a nice completed series so you can just binge through the whole thing. But hopefully this, you know, puts this series on your radar. Yeah, we're definitely going to keep it vague. We're not going to go too deep into any of the plot line that happens because we want it to be a surprise if you haven't read the story before. So our main character is Sage. Sage is a green witch who lives in the small town of Emerald Lakes with her grandmother. Um, as a green witch, Sage has the ability to um, grow things, control nature, all that kind of stuff. Uh, she has a store in town where she sells magic supplies and herbs and all of that kind of stuff. Kai, Cam, Sloane, and Fisher are all special operatives from an agency that are sent to find Sage's mother and investigate the town. They all fall in love with Sage in the process, and many secrets are revealed along the way. There's quite a bit of conflict surrounding the fact that they are not very upfront with Sage in the beginning of their relationship. And there's a lot of secrets in terms of Sage's parents and also in terms of the boys and how they deal with things along the way. I was going to say, it's also important to note that, you know, Sage has has had some things happen, you know, in her childhood and in her past in regards to her parents and kind of like being abandoned by her mom. And all of those guys, Kai, Cam, Sloan, and Fisher, um, have all dealt with, you know, kind of a little bit of trauma. I guess Kai, like, probably has the least amount of mm -hmm. trauma. It seems like Kai's, you know, upbringing is pretty normal, but... Cam, Sloan, and Fisher are, you know, three pretty damaged guys. Um, so you also learn a lot about their past throughout the series as well. Yes, you definitely do. Um, so Kai, Cam, Sloan, and Fisher are the initial four that are a part of Sage's harem. Then Bram and Ferris come into the story a little bit later, and they become a part of this faded harem. Um, and I say faded because there's a whole prophecy. The prophecy changes and evolves. Uh, and it becomes very clear over time that all of these men are meant to be with Sage in a family. Um, and the harem and Sage have to work together to save the world and also demon kind from the evil workings of her mother and demon royalty, Azrael. Um, so we really find out throughout the story a lot about the inner workings of the court of the demons and how that court has evolved over the centuries and the different tasks that have been given to the demons to deal with this population problem and how Sage's mother is involved with all of that. Yeah, Sage's mother is pretty much one of the most awful people of all time. <laughs> Hater. 
Hate you, Laurie. She's definitely a main villain in this whole story. Uh, so let's do a rundown of the characters and our thoughts on each of them. Starting with Sage, our wonderful main character. We love her. Uh, she is a green witch. She is a plus-sized woman. She has full curves. She has some belly fat. She has thick thighs. She has a butt. We love it. Uh, she has red hair. She is half demon. We know that she owns the mystical pig, the magic store, and she has a lo lovely little fox companion named Maven. Ash, what are your thoughts on Sage? I love Sage. She's one of my favorite female main characters of all time. She's sweet, but I feel like she's also a badass. Um, and I love the relationship that she has with the guys in her harem. I love her relationship with Gran. Also, we'll talk about Gran more later, but she's like one of my favorite characters because she's so funny. Um, and I just think that like the whole plot twist about Maven is a very interesting, um, you know, it's very interesting and I didn't expect that at all. So kudos to you, Britt Andrews. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just love her. We love, you know, a nice diverse representation of characters and i love that um brit you know chose a, a plus size female main character and there is some really good i don't know um brit has a discord channel and i think that she was talking about making a coloring book um so if you guys are interested i can probably post on our instagram the art but there is this piece of art of like for the coloring book, it's like a coloring page of her and Cam, and it's like, oh, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit of not safe for work art on that Discord channel, and it is all fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some quality. That's <laughs> a quality Discord, but she's just great, and I love her. I do. She's so. I feel like when we're talking about reverse harem female main characters, it can kind of go one way or the other. Either they're like super powerful, kicking everyone's ass, or they're like completely helpless and the harem has to fight all of their battles for them. I feel like Sage is like a nice, believable middle ground where she is not taking everything on single handedly. She does need help from those around her, but she's also not like a helpless maiden needing everyone to rescue her all the time. And I appreciate that. I appreciate like the believability of Sage's power level and what she's able to do. Yeah. I like that as well because we do see that a lot in reverse harems. It's, there's not really a middle ground, you know, in regards to female main characters. I feel like Britt did a nice job of finding that middle ground with Sage. So nice job, Britt. <laughs> All the compliments to Britt Andrews. <laughs> All right. So first, uh, this is actually the first member of the harem that Sage meets. I might have actually listed these in order of when she meets them. So way to go me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first up, we have Kai, uh, whose full name is Kaido. Um, Kai is a shifter mage, specifically his other form is a panther named Bagheera, uh, which Sage calls Baggy for short, but she's the only one allowed to call him that. <laughs> uh, he is mated with Sage. She is his, uh, forever mate, as he says. 
Um, he does go into a rut at certain points, and that is a very spicy scene. I was just rereading that before uh, we were recording the podcast. Um, part of him as a person is he loves taking care of his pack, um, and he considers the whole harem to be his pack, and that leads into him cooking meals for everyone and taking care of Sage when things are going wrong. You'll see him constantly making sure that she has something to drink, that she's showering, that she's taking care of herself. So he he takes on that like caretaker role a lot. Um, and is it, I think it's book three when we're introduced to Napoleon. Ash, tell us about Napoleon. So Napoleon, like I might get this wrong because how I understood it is like, Napoleon, he was able to understand, and then he was able to move into Napoleon's body? Yeah, so at at a certain point in book three, Kai, Cam, and Sloan all get, like, big power boosts because of an interaction that they have with Asriel and with um, Lori, Sage's mom. And part of Kai's power boost is that he is able to understand uh, the other animals around him. And he was able to take the form of another animal other than just Bagheera in the form of Napoleon, the small dictator mouse. So (laughs) Napoleon kind of becomes like a tag along friend for the rest of book three and book four, where he is able to take Napoleon's form. But Napoleon maintains his own personality and isn't a part of Kai as a person. Yeah, and I love Napoleon's commentary on things. It's so cute. I just think that it was really adorable how she wrote that into the story. Napoleon is always battle ready. That's what you need to know about Napoleon. Yeah, he's always ready to roll. (laughs) Ready to fuck shit up. He kind of reminds me of... um, in Kid Davenport, the Python familiar that Caleb gets, <laughs> where he's like always so uh, sassy, sassy, and judging everyone else and how they're not as prepared as he is. Wasn't it like he like he like ate like a raccoon or something? Yes, <laughs> it was like that's like disgusting. Uh uh, I can't remember what the snake's name was. Oh, I can because the name was Sam. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good series, too. I loved Kit Davenport. I feel like Napoleon and Sam would be friends, but Sam would still try to eat Napoleon. I think so as well, which that would make me sad. So I'm <laughs> glad, that there's, glad that there's no crossover. All right, so that's Kai. I... Let's talk about our thoughts on Kai. Kai, I feel like, is absolutely the Blake Bowman of this harem. He is, Uh, but I love him. He's just so, like, happy-go-loving. And, like, he is the constant, like, sunshine. But he does deal with depression. And he does deal with, like, feeling down. And you start to see that in some of the later books. And I do like how Brit introduces that in this character that's, like, sunshine and roses all the time but then you start to see that he's struggling and dealing with some other things as well yeah and you know he has a really rough time um there's a part where sage is stuck in the demon realm 
and Bagheera is also like with Sage, and that's that's kind of hard to explain. You, you're gonna have to read the books, but um, that's a really difficult time for him to be away from you know Bagheera is a part of him and Sage is his mate, and it's difficult for him to be away from them. Um, so you get to you know kind of get a glimpse of his depression during that part of the series, um, and. I am really anticipating this for the next book. I want to know if there's any, like, you know, Cam and Kai, what's <laughs> going to happen? So something that we'll talk about more as we get into this is that pretty much every guy in this harem is open to exploring things with the other guys in the harem, not just with Sage. So there is quite a bit of sword crossing happening with the other members of this harem. And that is something both Ashley and I appreciate quite a bit. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about, I mean, what was arguably one of my favorite scenes of all time <laughs> that I've ever read. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll get to that. Get to it. All right. Uh, so after Kai, Sage meets Cam, full name Cameron. Cam is a storm mage. He is daddy in all things. Uh, he has a Jacob's Ladder. If you know, you know what that is. Um, <laughs> he is the team leader. He is seen as like the boss man of their team. He's also seen as like the leader of their harem in general. Uh, Ash, you're going to have to explain this next part. Okay. So I am obsessed with this model and now he's like playing in a band and his name is Kevin Creekman and if you don't know who he is he has a really inspiring story about um you know how he was overweight as a child and as a teenager and he had this like amazing weight loss story and then um he had a bunch of loose skin after he lost a lot of weight and he had you know surgery to have that corrected um and he really hit the gym hard, and he has his entire body pretty much tattooed. Um, his Instagram is the Creekman. If you want to go check him out, he has the most amazing ass I have ever seen. <laughs> um, like I just want to bite it. But I was seeing a lot of fan, you know, a lot of fan created collages that have Kevin Creekman as Cam. So I reached out to Britt Andrews and I was like, hey, like, is he really the inspiration for Cam? Because that's, you know, it's who I think of in my head, like when I think of Cam. And she's like, absolutely he is. <laughs> um, so we talked about how amazing his ass is. Um, he has some like videos of him dancing on his TikTok. Just, uh, he's just so gorgeous. If you're into the whole tattooed, like man bun vibe, Definitely check him out, um, and I think that he's so perfect for Cam. So, again, Britt Andrews, excellent job. So I guess the question is, does Kevin Creekman have a Jacob's Ladder? That's what we really need to figure out. Oh, I, I said the other day in our group chat, I was like, I wish that we could get Kevin Creekman to come on the show for an interview. I would love to interview some of the guys that... Um, a lot of the authors that we read use for inspiration, but you know, I don't, I don't really know if, if we're on their radar yet, but oh, we're definitely not. <laughs> I know. I wish that we could get Kevin Creekman on here though. So if you have connections, let us know. 
I would probably just like giggle the whole time. <laughs> Ashley would be useless in that interview. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Just like, can you imagine us asking Kevin Creekman if he is a Jacob's Ladder? <laughs> like, he'd probably be mortified. It's like he'd probably be pretty cool. He always <laughs> he always comments to his fans. It's very sweet. But, oh gosh. So uh, I love Cam and I love Kai. Just two great characters. I do. So Kai does this thing where he's constantly changing people's names in Sage's phone. So she'll get like texts from people and it will be a new name. Um, but he keeps changing Cam's name to different phrases that go with daddy. So at one point he changes it to Thunder Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that he calls him daddy, too. He does. And there <laughs> there was one point where Sage, like, answers the phone and is like, oh, Thunder Daddy. And Cam is like, is that what you're calling me now? And Kai, like, yells from the other room, like, yeah, Thunder Daddy. <laughs> Kai is just such a good time. He's always there to lighten the mood no matter what. All right. So after Cam, we have Sloane. Sloane uh. is our sassy fire mage. Um, after his little power boost that he got towards the end of book three, he's also a dragon shifter now. Um, I put in here, he's, he's a boy who just needs love. He had, he had a tough childhood. He has a lot of difficulty processing his feelings he wants to, like, make every authority figure love him because his father was a complete asshole. And he's not always going about that in the best ways. So he fucks up quite majorly um, in book two. And he has to, like, work to earn the trust of everyone else in the harem back. Um, he has a very unique relationship with Fisher. They start off with something that's just seen as sexual. But throughout the series they both kind of come to terms with the fact that their feelings are much deeper than what they originally thought. Um, and Sloan is just kind of trying to learn to love himself and be honest with his feelings towards the other people around him. Yeah, and I really feel like it does take a long time for Sloan to redeem himself. For a long time, I did not like his character at all. Um, but, you know, towards the... I'm, at book four, I guess, you know, things really changed for me with him. But, I mean, he still is, is not my favorite out of the harem. But he's he's getting better. He's growing on me. He is very much the dom uh, of the harem. He likes to hear, yes, sir. And uh, what does he call Sage? Does he call her kitten? Oh, I can't remember. I think he does. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think he calls Sage Kitten. Um, Which we love that nickname. <laughs> yes. But it's, he, I think he's had the most growth of everyone in the harem in terms of him coming to terms with his emotions and dealing with some of his trauma from childhood. Which we know, you know, you should try to move past that and not use it as an excuse for being a shitty person. I certainly hope so. Uh, all right. So after Sloan, we have Fisher, 
who is a cognitive mage, um, depending on the person's ability to shield, he can read people's minds, he can sense emotions, um, he has the ability to wipe people's memories and implant false memories, uh, just basically can fuck around in your head a whole lot. Um, he struggles with his affinity quite a bit in the beginning of the series. He gets overwhelmed by other people's emotions around him. He likes like having time to himself since he's constantly being like barraged with outside emotions. When him and Sage are first together because of her half demon side, she's naturally blocking her emotions from him. And so he really loves that about her, that he gets that break. Um, from constantly sensing other people's emotions. He has a relationship with Sloane. And I think he kind of comes to terms with how he feels about Sloane much quicker than Sloane comes to terms with his own feelings. Oh, definitely. So So he's then dealing with the fact that, like, hey, I'm in love with this guy. And he's just kind of being an asshole. Yeah, in general to everyone around me and me. So yeah, he Fisher's, really just is Fisher's mean dealing and with wants a to lot. Fucking... Oh, poor Fisher. Uh, Fisher's also struggling with the fact that he feels like he has this like dark part of himself, um, which definitely comes into play later. But he felt like he had to kind of like put that dark part of himself in a box and hide it away. Yeah, and uh. Sloan was a big part of helping him with that, you know, sort of escapism and sealing up that dark aspect of his personality. Um, and that does come into play later. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Fisher is just a complete sweetheart. Like, he, he just wants Sage to be happy. He is just happy to have her love to be involved and he definitely has a darker side to himself uh but the way that he approaches sage and the relationship is with all love and sweetness yeah he really is a sweet adorable character i like i don't know i can't find anything bad about fisher i i love him i do too but I mean, I think I would love him more if he wasn't, like, didn't have his, like, side relationship with Sloan. I just don't know why I don't like Sloan so much. <laughs> it's not that, like, he did anything, like, truly, like, irredeemable, but I just, like, I don't know. I was, I was glad to see him, like, grovel and suffer. Yeah, he definitely needed a little bit of a emotional beatdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he really resists everything with Sage for a long time. and But I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't. <laughs> um, okay, so after Fisher, we have Bram. Uh, um, love a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> so Sage first meets Bram when she starts visiting the demon realm in her sleep. Uh, she visits it and dreams twice, and she runs into Bram both times. Um and they're having trouble understanding exactly what's going on between them and, like, why she keeps showing up there. Uh, but we find out that he's a demon prince, that his father is the king of hell. Or not hell. What is it? Besmet? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah, Besmet. Um, 
I just think demons and hell go hand in hand. Um, we also find out that he's a virgin, but he's a very sassy virgin. He's very confident about like what he's able to do. He can also snap fingers and get food to you immediately, which is just the ideal man in my eyes. You, you can just snap fing- your fingers and food and anything I want can appear for me right now that please, I need that man in my life. <laughs> I know I and I feel like that's the way I mean he is with everything like he can just snap his fingers and just get you whatever you want I also love so at one point um Sage is being pulled between the two realms and she ends up in Besmet with Bram for like a longer period of time and she like doesn't have any clothes so he starts like creating clothes for her but like <laughs> Bram's clothes that he creates are like his own designs so at one point he makes a tank top that has a snail on it that is a penis (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like that sums up his personality so well he's just like crazy and funny but like he can be a badass when he needs to be a badass and he just uh he's just so great a tie for who my favorite is in this harem oh it's so hard he he really does have a great personality which you don't really expect the fun side of him because like demon prince serious dangerous guy like can really fuck anyone up but then he's just like he loves sage he wants to like mess around and have fun and like he has a really silly side of him which i appreciate yeah, and I mean, who doesn't love nodding? Oh, yeah. So demons not with their mate. We find out that um, Bram and Sage are mated to one another, just like Sage and Kai are as well. And so the first time they have sex, Bram knots and is locked inside of her. It's a sexy scene, too. It is. Uh, then Bram at the time when he first joins the harem, doesn't think that he is interested in any of the other guys, but then he is proven wrong a little bit later on. Well, and there's also a part where Bran, you know, feels kind of like the outcast because the other guys in the harem grew up together, so they have that background. But Bran's, you know, kind of the new guy on the block. Um, So there's times where he feels a little bit awkward about that. So I'm glad that, you know, someone else joins the harem that makes him, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable about everything. I mean, there's never a period where the guys, like, really ostracize him. But it's just, like, you know, it makes sense that he would feel that way just because they've all been friends for forever. Yeah, absolutely. When They literally grew up together and then you're joining into this harem when everyone's adults. Yeah. But, I mean, Sage loves all of them equally. She does. She's very good about not playing favorites. All right. Yeah. Last member of the harem is Ferris. So, Ferris is very interesting. Ferris is a blood mage, which you would think of kind of like a vampire. He uh, drinks blood in order to, like, recharge his powers. Um, but he also has, like, healing abilities and a whole bunch of other stuff. Ferris is Fisher's identical twin, and he was created from Fisher. So earlier when we were talking about, like, this dark side of Fisher that Fisher kept feeling like he had to lock down, we find out that that was Ferris, that Ferris has been inside of Fisher's brain this entire time, 
and that he keeps being locked away every time that Fisher and Sloane were together. So Ferris actually has a lot of resentment towards Sloane once he gets his own body. So Ferris finally gets his own body and he's still like figuring out this whole being a person having a body thing, which leads to a lot of different moments where Ferris is the comedic relief in a scene. Yeah, and it's like, you know, having a penis for the first time and, like, masturbating for the first time. It's just, like, quality. He also can't figure out what food he likes. He thinks, like, all food is disgusting except blood. Uh, But then he also found ramen noodles and loves to eat ramen noodles raw without cooking them. (laughs) Yeah, like, any type of crunchy, dry pasta he, like, eats. Very, very odd. Um, But I just, I love how everything is so new and different to him, even though he had had experiences in, you know, Fisher's body. It's still not the same as, like, doing things yourself for the first time. Oh, absolutely. Um, And he has super speed. (laughs) So I think that that's, like, pretty cool, too. Um, So Ferris is attracted to Bram, and he and Bram kind of start... Dealing with that attraction, start like, um, the word left me. Exploring? Yes, thank you. Exploring (laughs) that attraction uh, with one another in the fourth book, uh, which leads to some very interesting scenes in book four, let me tell you. Yeah, that's that shit we do like. My goodness. Um... All right, any last words about the members of our harem before we move Um, on to talking about our favorite things? You want to rank now? Oh, sure. So let's see what my harem ranking is. I don't have it typed out, so I'm going to have to think for a moment. So I would say top for me is Bram. Then, so I would say Bram, Cam, Kai, Fisher... Ferris Sloan. All right. So mine is Bram, Cam, Ferris, Kai, Fisher, Sloan. <laughs> Bram, Cam. Bram, Cam. But I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a quality harem all around. I think that there's a really nice balance of like, you know, troubled characters, um, a strong leader, the comedic relief, or the Blake Bowman. Oh, definitely. Um, it's just it's good. Good harem. Yeah, it's really well balanced. Uh, so Sage kind of just sets this rule that as long as they're exploring within the harem that she doesn't really care what the guys do. So all the guys kind of start opening up their minds and exploring uh, sexually with one another, especially towards the end of book four. There are some crazy scenes. Um, But I am really looking forward to seeing what happens with Bram and Ferris, seeing what happens with Kai and Cam. Um, Sloane and Fisher really have the most established relationship out of the guys since that was happening before they got together with Sage. Yeah, that's and I been know- going on since they were like teenagers, I think, that they first started exploring that. So this is like years that that's been going on and they just now accept the fact that they're like in love with each other. 
like yeah. in more than a friendly way. And I know that Sloane and Kai have also done things previously as mm-hmm. well. So we know so, that Kai, you know, has explored mm-hmm. things. But then, like, that brings to question, like, with Cam and Kai, like, who's going to be giving? Who's going to be receiving? Who's who's top and who's bottom? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I, what am, I, I can't see... It's gonna. It has to be Cam giving. Uh, that Jacob Slaughter is gonna do some interesting things. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that rubbing on your prostate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, um, the cave scene, Ash. Your thoughts? Okay. Um. I, I'm not going to say too much because there's like a lot that happens in this scene, but it is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Thank you, Britt Andrews, for blessing us with this, but everybody is fucking everybody. I like, think that's exactly what Ashley texted That's me. what I she texted you, it. and I'm like, that. that's going to go in the podcast, because it's just, like, what I felt in that moment, because I was like, god damn, this is getting wild. Um, uh, I, I think your exact words were like, oh my god, Sam, everyone is fucking everyone. Yeah, and it, like, turns into this, like, massive, like, orgy that they're having in there. It's fucking nuts. Especially when uh, Sage and Fisher show up towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Which, like, I I did think, too, like, during that part, I'm like, oh, that, I hope that cave floor was, like, well, like, swept or, like, a nice, like, soft, like, dirt floor or, like, smooth rock or something. Because that would be so uncomfortable. Unless you're, you're not like, wrong. Unless you're, like, fucking with your shoes on and standing up. But, like, that, that sounds awkward. Because I'm one of those people that thinks, like, having sex with socks on is awkward. I don't like the idea of, like, fucking outside for the most part. Like, Oh, I do. First of all, bugs. Like, mosquitoes are very much a thing. I don't... I attract mosquitoes on a normal day. I can't imagine how many mosquito bites I would have after having sex outside. Then you have the whole rocks dirt if you're doing it at the beach you then have to deal with sand there's there's too many factors give me a bed please give me a nice bed and if you're a woman you know like the whole like if you've if you're a woman and you've ever been to the beach like you pretty much know like what sand up your vagina and your butt crack feels like like it's fucking awful (laughs) but like and there's there's the like people romanticize shower sex and i'm here like Water is not good lubricant. Yeah, because your own natural lubricant is not the same. Like, I, Mm-mm. it's just, no, it's not good. And I just, like, I don't know. I just think of, like, the awkward, like, slapping with wet bot, Like, more so than, like, just, like, the normal, like, slapping when you're, like, fucking. But, like, <laughs> the wet slapping, it bothers me. <laughs> I don't know. So... <laughs> Moral of the story, give me a bed, please. <laughs> yeah, or like, like I also I always think about um, fuck, which one is it? Uh, 
The fucking... From Blood and Ash. What's the second book called? A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire. Yes. Or it might be in the first book. When they're in the fucking hot spring. <laughs> like... No, no, that's the second book. Okay, second book. That's what I thought. But, like, when they're in the hot spring, like, that's a no from me. Uh, that is a no from me. Also, Ugh. like, we're gonna have to talk about that series at some point. Because I feel like that third book just, like, things started getting too wild and, like, not making a ton of sense. So I'd love to, like, do a deep dive into that. Even though, I mean, that series is, like, smutty enough to be on our podcast, I think. She released the title of book four today. Oh, yeah? A War of Two Queens. What the fuck, JLA? (laughs) What the fuck kind of title is that? I mean, it makes sense. I get it, but still, that's like a lame-ass title. (laughs) Disappointed. People had already guessed at that title on TikTok before she released it, too. Fucking TikTok. <laughs> anyway. Wait, let's talk about Randy Roger, because I love Randy Roger so much. So <laughs> who is too. Randy Roger, Ashley? So Randy Roger is a weird guy that lives in Emerald Lakes and he has like a weird affinity for produce and phallic shaped things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he pops up just randomly throughout the story, like, Sloan runs into him at the grocery store, and they have, like, a produce fight, and, um, he's just is, is an all-around interesting character. Uh, there is a point where Sloan, like, when, you know, he kind of, ha- Sloan has, like, his fallout with the harem, he ends up staying with Randy Roger, and he has him staying in this, like, mushroom bedroom, but, like, on, <laughs> on closer inspection, Sloan realizes that they're, like, penis mushrooms. They're all penises. <laughs> like, every room in Randy Roger's house is, like, different produce themed, but it's all penis produce themed. <laughs> like I said, phallic obsession. Um... And I just think he's so funny, and you find out that uh, he helped Gran raise Sage's mom, and then he helped Gran raise Sage, and I just think that he, you know, even though he's so funny, is just a genuinely kind character, and I feel like he kind of becomes a father figure to Sloane, because, like, let's face it, Sloane's dad was a fucking horrible person, Um, and I just love him. He's so great. He really, I love the relationship that he has with Sloane because it feels like it came out of fucking nowhere. And that, like, he'll just call him up and be like, how you doing, my boy? And yes. <laughs> Sloane is like, Sloane wants to be like his usual grumpy asshole self. But then at the same time, he's like, I just kind of want to talk to this guy and tell him, like, what's going on in my life. So it, like, just ends up being really sweet because he's, like, just so open and he's willing to be a support system that Sloane desperately needs. And it just ends up being a uh, comedic relief that also ha- is really sweet. Yeah, and Britt writes some of these really great, you know, kind of side characters. Where they're, you know, they're involved in the plot a little bit. But they're just, you know, funny or, you know, weird. Like the 
fucking prophesizing sisters. <laughs> it's just, she writes good little, you know, side characters that kind of keep things interesting. So let's talk about some of those side characters, starting with Gran. Ash, tell us about Gran. <laughs> so Gran is just a crazy, crude old lady. She, like, hits on all the guys and, like, talks about, like, hooking up and, like, you know, she's wild and I love it. I, I'm very much, like, for being, like, a sex-positive family. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Gran imparted a lot of those values onto Sage. Um, and she's, like, very cool about Sage, like, having a harem of guys. Like, she's never judgmental about it. Um, I should have grabbed some quotes from her because there's some fucking funny ones. But you should definitely read it for <laughs> the Gran quotes. Um, she loves Sage so fucking much. And... She's just such a great grandmother. Wish that my she grandma is. was that great. There, there are some point in time where I texted Ashley and I was like, Gran is a little bit much. Like, there are definitely some times when her dialogue, I was like, that's over the top for me. But, I mean, like, everyone has different levels of what they're looking for in, like, a comic relief character. So, I mean... Obviously, Gran really connected with Ashley as a character. <laughs> it's like what I hope, what I aspire to be when I'm an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be like fucking wild. Doing my thing. Talking about Emmy's like boyfriends, you know. <laughs> or girlfriends or, you know, whatever she chooses to have. But yeah, she's pretty great. I do also really like the relationship that um, Sage is building with her father. So Sage's father kind of comes in later on in the series and it ends up being like kind of like a shock and surprise to her. But they really like have developed a sweet relationship in the short amount of time that they've had together. And it makes me really happy to see her have that additional support. Yeah, I loved that as well, um, and I like, you know, that, um, he, <laughs> I don't want to give away too many things, shit. Um, <laughs> I like that, you know, he was closer by than you would think, um, and the only thing that I feel like is kind of weird is his relationship with her best friend, and I know that Sage is fine with it, but, like, I don't know. I wouldn't date my friend's dad. That's just weird. Even I mean, though he's, like, he doesn't, like, look, like, old, but it's still, like, your friend's dad. You know what I mean? I don't I know. I feel like it's different since Sage didn't grow up with him. Like. That's true. There's not as much of an attachment there as there would normally be. Okay. Touche, Sam. Touche. <laughs> Um, all right. Any other thoughts on the story before we go to our predictions? Um, I just like how supportive the harem is of one another. You know, they, nobody's really jealous of the relationship that anybody else has with Sage. Um, Sloan and Ferris have some issues, but they're like, they're working through things. So I'm glad that that's happening. Um, 
There is so much male-on-male action in this book. Um, so if you don't like male-on-male action, do not read this series. Um, <laughs> but there's so many hot scenes. Um, Britt really writes some good smut. So quality. Mwah. Absolutely. And it's very sweet interactions. Like she's, we've talked before about like how Catherine Moon kind of has like perfected that formula of really spicy books with really sweet characters and I feel like you really see that for the most part with this minus Sloan and his asshole moments all of the guys in the harem treat Sage really well and like have her back a hundred percent yeah and you know uh, Sloan is getting better and he really towards the end of the fourth book changes a whole lot um also one of my one of my favorite things that leads to the cave scene is him and Bran getting drunk together, which I loved that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, it's just a good group of guys. All right. So predictions for what is to come. Ash, what are your predictions? So I'm just going to vaguely say the girls will be okay. A lot is riding on their survival. And there's certain roles that I can't wait to see the guys in the harem in. I am looking forward to seeing Ferris kind of come into his own and like explore his powers as a blood mage a little bit more. Because I feel like we're just kind of seeing the surface of what he'll be able to do. Especially since the other three got like that big power boost where we saw like Sloan take on this additional ability of a dragon shifter and... Cam is able to like control water and other elements of the storm now and Kai is able to communicate with additional animals I kind of want to see if the other members of the harem are going to get that power boost too and we're going to be able to see more of what they're able to do with their powers yeah and I hope that Laurie fucking dies because she's the worst true that (laughs) so overall rating I love this series. I think it's a great break, especially if you've been reading like a string of really dark novels. Um, It's just a nice fun break for your brain for the most part. There's not it's not going to like emotionally torture you Uh, for the most part. Brit doesn't leave off on like big cliffhangers. There definitely are some cliffhangers in the series, but it doesn't leave you with that feeling of like. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight kind of cliffhanger. In general, it's a very nice series to take a break with. Yeah, and, you know, Sam and I both love Paranormal Reverse Harems. There's just so much that you can do with them. Um, I love the diversity, all the world building that you're able to do. Um, There's no bullying in this series. It's just like a, I mean, there is, but not by the harem. Um, and it's just a feel-good series. The plot is great. Um, even if you're not a huge fan of paranormal reverse harems, if you like male-on-male action, you should definitely give this one a read. Absolutely. All right, so let's jump into what we're reading this week. So I read... Sam broken... read everything. <laughs> I did a lot of reading. Um, I read Broken Bonds by Jay Ray, which was phenomenal I cannot even say to you how much I love this book I can't wait for her to do more with this series Jay Bree is a magician she's so good 
Um, I also read the first two Hellgate Guardians books, which were by Ivy Asher and Raven Kennedy. Um, I enjoyed them. I thought the ending of book two was abrupt, and I was upset that the last two books in the series follow a completely different main character. Um, I wanted to see more of the story with the original main character and her harem. Um, I finished the rest of Kit Davenport because I had only read book one. And then after I was done reading Hellgate Guardians and Broken Bonds, I was like, I need another paranormal reverse harem. And Ashley was like, finish Kit Davenport. So I read the rest of that series. I really enjoyed it. Um, I read all four books of The Rich Boys of Burberry Prep by C.M. Stunich. It wasn't my favorite. Um, <laughs> we Which we that. discussed quite a bit this week. <laughs> um, I also read the fourth book in the off-campus series by L. Kennedy, The Goal. And I read My Arc of Mannix by Grace McGinty, and it was so good. I I cannot even tell you how much I enjoyed this, ser- this story. I'm so excited <laughs> to see what Grace is going to do. I know I'm so glad that she like put that poll up the other day in her you know like readers group because like I really want more Mannix. I I was so excited about that um I was shocked because I had started reading Mannix and then Ashley texted me and is like I finished it and I was like I'm at like 71 percent Ashley like stayed up all night reading Mannix. I did I stayed <laughs> up all night because like I've been working night work so on the weekends my schedule's all messed up but yeah I read that seriously in like a night it was that good um so this coming week I'm planning on finally reading Illy and Odie's Love Story, uh, which is one of the spinoff series from Hannaford Prep. That's the Butcher of the Bay. Um, I love Johnny Illiam so much. I loved his character in Hannaford Prep. I love Odie. Just cannot say enough about Jay Bree's character development and her story writing. Um, I'm also still listening to the audiobook for We Free the Stars. Um there's just I love audiobooks but they really slow down my pace because <laughs> I really only listen to them like when I'm cleaning or when I'm driving so it's like I have very limited time when I'm listening to the audiobooks all right um so this week I devoured Mannix like we said in an entire night um there is like quality male-on-male action in that book and For me, what really makes it is not the alphas, because it is an Omegaverse. It's the frickin' betas and the omega in that series that, like, do it for me. Um, I was apprehensive about the the male pregnancy or them preg, but there were certain aspects of that that, like, pleasantly surprised me, and it wasn't weird at all. Um... Grace just does everything well, and she really hit that one out of the park, and I really, really hope that she, you know, writes more, um, you know, in the, the Mannix universe, um, and I love that all her series, like, are kind of intertwined. I know that a lot of people want to hear more about Miranda's story, but, like, after Mannix, like, I just want more. Um, and on the suggestion of Willow Hadley, I read Stolen by the Wolves by Lix, Lix Robinson, and even though it was slow burn and the world building, like, is kind of a lot initially, I loved it. I can't wait for the second book, it's coming out shortly. If you love Vikings and the Omegaverse, you should definitely give this a read. Um, 
The cover art is beautiful. It looks kind of like a graphic novel, and I think it would make a great graphic novel. And I told Lix that, and she was like, that would be a lot of work, because she is like a digital artist. Um, but yeah, so that was super good. Definitely pick that, that series if you don't mind, like, historical reverse harems. I actually just finished Run Riot by Colette Rhodes today, and shout out to Colette because she's just super sweet. Um, she's a listener of the show, and I loved Run Riot. I can't wait for the next book. I want to, you know, learn more about who's going to be in Grace's harem. Riot is one of the sweetest characters, even though he's a demon, um, but you should definitely give that a read. I know people are always hesitant to start an unfinished series, but it's great. And this week I'm going to be reading Catching Kaylin in uh, preparation for our interview with Britt. Um, and I am also reading the Plated Prisoner series. So I just started that today and I'm already very invested. Because I wouldn't shut up about it because I'm obsessed with that series. So, so we will be doing an episode on that shortly. Cannot say enough how much I love that series. Um, I, and I, I guess, yeah. When, when are we going to do that? I guess we'll do it after our interview with Britt next week, if you are going to be down for that. Yes, so our episode that will release either the 25th or the 26th, depending on when it uploads, that'll be on the Plated Prisoner series. Perfect. So, like Ash just said, we will be interviewing the lovely Britt Andrews next week. So, if you have any questions, make sure you send them our way on Instagram on TikTok, or you can email to that email us those questions at smuttandspicepod at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to ask Britt any of your questions. I know we have plenty of our own that we've already been thinking up as well. Yes, send us all the questions. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we interview the author of the Emerald Lake series and co-author of Catching Kaylin, Britt Andrews. If you have any questions for Britt, you can contact us on our socials or email us at smuttandspicepod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at smuttandspicepod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!